Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Showcase Sundays today on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audiences. Welcome back to Mutual Presents. I'm Jack Ward right here with my co-pilot for your passage to yesteryear, Penny the Cat. For episode 20, we return to Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. You know, that never gets old. The sad part of this luminous dragon eye ring gang serial is that it's incomplete, and yet one of the most complete of all the serials we have available from Jack. So Jack Armstrong will end up being more of a sampling of the series than a complete replaying, sadly. We'll continue to do our best with episodes 21 and 22, so wind back those clocks. Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. Wave the flag for Hudson High, boys. Show them how we stand. Ever shall our team be champions, known throughout the land. Wheaties, breakfast of champions, bring you the thrilling adventures of Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. Now here's a dramatized scene that's probably taking place in a good many cities these days. Listen. After defeating West High by a score of 14 to nothing, the North High football squad are just entering their dressing room. As Chuck Frederick, North's captain, sits on the bench, Jim Powers approaches. Got a minute, Chuck? Why, sure, Jim. Sit down. It was a great game you turned in today, making 12 out of the 14 points we got. Thanks, Jim. Look, I'm tired of sitting on the bench and watching you fellas having all the fun. I want to get in at least one quarter a game anyway. Oh, I'll tell you something, Jim. I was talking to Coach Walton about you the other day, and we both agreed on one thing. What was that? Well, we agreed that you had plenty of natural ability, but, well, you just weren't in good enough physical shape to make the grade. But doggone it, Chuck, I feel good. I'm... Feeling good isn't enough, Jim. We, you've got to get a regular year-round training program and stick to it. Take me, for instance. I've followed Jack Armstrong's training program for a couple of years now. And I'm here to tell you it's the clear dope. What's it all about? Simple as ABC. Get plenty of fresh air, sleep and exercise. Keep clean and eat a breakfast of champions every morning. Say, it sounds all right. All right, nothing. Well, it's darn near perfect. And if you want to taste a breakfast dish that'll give your appetite something to live for, try Wheaties with milk and fruit. How so? Well, it's got a flavor that tops any other breakfast dish I ever tasted. Coach Walton told me about it. He said that, well, that many of the great college coaches all over the country recommend a breakfast of champions as a part of Jack Armstrong's training program. And I'm with them 100%. Why don't you start training Jack Armstrong's way, Jim? Gosh, it sounds plenty good to me. Tell you what I'll do. I'll start right off with a breakfast of champions tomorrow morning. 
And fellows and girls, there's a mighty good idea for you, too. Remind Mother to get you a couple of packages of Wheaties right away. Then tell her that you want to start training Jack Armstrong's way tomorrow morning for sure with Wheaties, milk and fruit, a breakfast of champions. And now, Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. Jack and Billy and Betty and Uncle Jim have completed their voyage across the Pacific in their two-masted schooner Spindrift. They have just rounded the southern end of the Philippines and are approaching the Moro village of Catabango on the island of Mindanao. They're on their way to salvage a quantity of the rare element uranium-235, which lies somewhere in a wrecked yacht in the Sulu Sea. But they are stopping in Catabango to investigate the disappearance of Professor Loring and to find out the connection between the luminous dragon's eye ring he sent them and the rich deposits of uranium which are rumored to lie in the interior of Mindanao. Jack is at the wheel, and Uncle Jim and Billy are at the sheets as the spindrift fights a headwind entering the harbor of Catabongo. Betty is sitting on the cabin, watching the foaming breakers toss their spray against the rugged Mindanao coast. Listen. Those cliffs with the palm trees at the base along the shore look look just like a picture. And look at that village over there, Betty. Gosh, it's like something in the movies. That's Catabongo, isn't it, Uncle Jim? Yes, that's Catabongo, the town we sailed clear across the Pacific to reach. Those houses look awfully high up above the ground. Oh, they're not above the ground, Betty. They're just built over the water. Yeah, can't you see? They're up on long pilings. <laughs> They look as if they were walking on stilts. That looks like a wharf over there. Yeah, I was just looking at that. That's mighty funny. What do you mean, Jack? Well, I sort of half expected to see the black shark tied up to the Catabongo Wharf, or anchored near when we arrived. So did I. With her auxiliary engine, she'd certainly get here before we did. And I don't see any sign of her. Well, without much question, the black shark is somewhere in the Philippines. But luckily, Dr. Chapato didn't know which port in the islands we were making for there are an awful lot of ports, so let's hope it takes Dr. Shapato a long time to locate us. You can say that again. Well, let's not worry about Shapato and the black shark now. They probably won't find our trail for some time. So let's enjoy life and not think about unpleasant things until we have to. Yes, this scene is too peaceful and too beautiful to be spoiled. Well, it won't be long before we can drop anchor and get ashore. Boy, won't it feel good to have solid ground under our feet once more? Oh, Jack! Look at that odd-looking little sailboat with a square red and blue sail coming up the coast. Well, that's called a Vinta, Betty. The Moros use them. I can't see it, Jack. Can you, Uncle Jim? It's just disappeared, Billy. Disappeared, Uncle Jim? Jumping Jiminy, do they do it with mirrors? (laughs) They didn't do it with mirrors this time, Billy. There's a cove in the shore there, and the Vinta just sailed into that cove. But look, Jack, there are two more Vintas coming up the shore now. And with such beautiful sails... One has red stripes like the setting sun, and and the other looks like a a scrambled rainbow. And look how fast they move along. Hand me the glasses, Betty. Thanks. It looks as if they were chasing that first beaner. But why would they chase the first beaner, Uncle Jim? Aren't they all Moros? Oh, there are all sorts of Moros, Betty. Sometimes the different tribes are at war. Sometimes a Moro tribe gets converted to Christianity. The other tribes don't like that. Can you see how many Moros are in the Vintas, Uncle Jim? Uh, three or four in each vintage, Jack. One of the moors is pointing toward that cove. Something's up. No doubt about that. Jump on Germany. I hope they don't come out and fight over us. 
It was bad enough when Blackbeard and Geppetto were after us in Honolulu. Oh, they aren't apt to bother us, Billy, unless we mix in their affairs. Well, they're all disappearing in the same cove, Uncle Jim. We'll go in and take a look at it, Betty. The wind is still ahead, and I have to come about and make one more tack before we can reach Cotabanco. Stand by the jib sheets, Billy. I've got them, Jack. Let's fly the jib sheets. I believe. Now trim your jib sheets, Billy. We can point straight for the cove and see what's going on. Gee whiz, Jack. Uh, are you sure we want to see what's going on? It won't do any harm to know what it's all about, Billy. We've got to stay with these moros a while and see what we can find out about the disappearance of Professor Loring. Now, that's right, Uncle Jim. If he's still alive, he may be held prisoner by some tribe along the coast. And don't forget the luminous dragon's eyes rings, Billy. There's a lot we've got to find out about that. Hey, Betty, we aren't going to interfere with every bunch of morals we see just to ask them about the ring. Oh, of course we're not, Billy. We may have to visit a great many tribes. And the more we can find out about these tribes, the safer it will be. Hey, look, Billy. Now comes that first bean out of the cove again. Where, Jack? Oh, oh, yeah, I see him. He's in line with that mountain peak. Say, isn't he headed in this direction? Well, it looks that way, Jack. I'll take a peep through the glasses. Yes, he's headed away from shore. And there's just one man in the Vinta. It's funny he should be headed out to sea now when before he was just sailing along the coast. I still think he was sailing away from those other Vintas, Billy. He probably went into the cove to see if he could escape that way. But the cliffs may have looked too steep for him. He's changing his direction a little. Uncle Jim... Now he's heading straight for us. You're right, Jack. Straight for us. And I can see him clearly through the glasses. He's looking back toward the cove. There come the other Venus, Uncle Jim. Look, they're coming this way, too. I'll bet you that the first guy is coming to us to help him escape. Uncle Jim, do you mind if I wear off the wind a little? We'll get to him quicker. Oh, but jump on Jiminy Crickets, Jack. We'll get to the other Venus quicker, too. So we will, Billy. And I can see that they've got their barongs and bolos with them, too. They're going to give that lone Moro a warm time if they catch up with him. Go ahead, Jack. We're off. Uh, if Billy doesn't mind. Uh, I don't mind, Uncle Jim. If they really are after that fellow, I suppose we ought to help them. And he's up on the foreign main sheets, Billy. We'll give this runaway Moro a chance. But suppose, suppose the other Moros don't like it. Well, they won't like it, Betty. But I don't think they can do much about it. Once we get this fellow aboard, we can outsail any Vinta against the wind. That's enough, Billy. We'll intercept him in short order now. Boy, we better head. It looks to me as if the other Vintas are gaining on them. Yeah, they're larger Vintas. They can sail faster. Look how long and slender they are. Well, they must be dug out of tree trunks. That's just how they are made, Betty. And the bamboo outriggers on each side keep them from turning over. Oh, I hope that fellow gets to us first. Let me look through the glasses, Uncle Jim. Well, here they are, Betty. Oh, Jack, I can see long, curved knives on the belts of the Moros who are chasing him. Those are barongs, Betty. They make a wonderful weapon in a fight. And if you look closely, you'll see a couple of long knives with curvy blades, like a bread knife. That's called a crease. And one Moro is brandishing a long, straight dagger with a wide blade. Oh, he looks awful fierce. That dagger's called the bolo. That's a dangerous weapon, too. They used to fight our soldiers with bolos in the insurrection. Gosh, Betty, can't you see anything cheerful through those glasses? Aren't some of their boats sinking or something? No, they're not, Billy. And they're gaining on that poor Moro who's by himself. Uh, give me the glasses, will you, Betty? I just want to see those Moro weapons at a distance before I see them at close range. Holy smoke, Jack. They do look like mean things to run into on a dark night. Yeah, but there's a hot tropical sun overhead, Billy, so it's all right. I don't like the looks of that tall Moro standing up in the bow of his bean and waving his bolo about. Gosh almighty, he looks ready for action and plenty mad. I'll bet he'll be madder yet if that chap gets away from them. But he isn't going to get away from them. They're closing in on him. But we're closing in on him too, Billy. 
It'll be a close shave, but I think we'll make it. How do you plan to pick him up, Jack? I'll come up to lure of him and then come about. If I do it right, we can pass him a line before I pick up speed. That's right, Jack. But you'll have to judge it pretty closely. If you get too close to him, you'll smash up his bamboo outriggers. Were you heeding the line, Uncle Jim? Yes. Getting one coiled up now. It's going to be nip and tuck who gets to him first. Uncle Jim, they're getting terribly close to him. I can see their turbans and their funny-looking pants. Those are pantaloons, Betty. Look, Uncle Jim. They're brandishing their prongs and bolos at us now. I bet they're trying to scare us off, Billy. But we can't be scared off now. Alone Morrow is waving to us. He's signaling for help. Gosh, he'll need help, all right. We're going to be too late to save him. I don't think so, Billy. Stand by the jib sheets. I'm going to spin about in a moment. Okay, Jack. Say, you're coming in awful close to him. I won't hit him, but I want to make sure I come about close enough to throw him alive. Oh, hurry, Jack. They're catching up with him quickly. Take it easy, Betty. I can't get out and push. Oh, he's calling to us. Can you understand him, Uncle Jim? No, Betty. I only speak the Tagalog dialect used by the Filipinos around Manila. Hey, he sounds scared to death, Uncle Jim. Those other Venus are almost close enough for the men to throw their bolos at him. They're almost up with him now. They're getting ready to jump on his Vena. But he's going almost as fast as they are, Betty. Uncle Jim, is your line all ready? All ready, Jack. Are you all set, Billy? All set, Jack. Jim, when he crickets, we'd better hurry. Let's fly the jib sheets. Hard to leave. Okay, Jack. Leave the line, Uncle Jim. Oh, good shot. He got it. Look, Uncle Jim. One of those Venus is alongside his boat. They're making fast. You better go overboard. They've got him three to one. Oh, oh they've got their bolos with them. They're rushing up to the bow He's again. He's fighting with one of them now, Betty. Look at that. Uncle Jim, one Moro is getting around behind him. I know, Betty. Why doesn't the idiot jump? The third Moro is after him now. You better hurry up and do something. Our sails are filling. I can't hold the scooter much longer. Oh, he's jumped. And he's got our line. Pull him in, Uncle Jim. Here, let me help you. I can get him to the boat, Billy. You stand by to help me pull him aboard. Easy. Look, another Moro is overboard after him. They're fighting in the water. He's gotten away, Betty. He's wounded the other Moro. Oh, quick, Uncle Jim. Let's pull him up. Here he comes, Billy. Get him on board, quick. We're picking up speed. Get a hand now, Billy. Lay hold. Heave. Okay. Yeah. The other beaters yeah. are chasing us, Uncle Jim. Trim all sheets, quick. Trim them flat. We'll head up wind and get away from them. Say, who is this strange Moro whom Uncle Jim and Billy have just saved from his enemies? And why was he being so relentlessly pursued by those other Moros in their Ventus? Will it have any bearing on Uncle Jim's search for Professor Loring? Will this Moro know anything about the mystery of the luminous ring which Uncle Jim has on board? Things are beginning to happen to the crew of the schooner Spindrift even before they make port at Catabongo. So be on hand, all of you, at the same time tomorrow and see what happens when the Spindrift reaches port in another thrilling episode of the luminous Dragon's Eye Ring... With Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. What did you do this afternoon when you got home from school? I hope for your sake you hiked right out into the kitchen and helped yourself to a heaping big bowl of those extra good Wheaties flakes. If you did, you got in on one of the swellest tasting afternoon lunches I ever came across. And if you didn't have those whole wheat flakes this afternoon, well, try them tomorrow. It's my bet you'll have your order in for Wheaties every afternoon. Have you tried Wheaties? They're whole wheat with all of the bran. Won't you try Wheaties? This is Franklin McCormick saying goodbye until tomorrow for General Mills, makers of Wheaties, Breakfast of Champions, who have just presented another episode of Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. food in the land. Wave the flag for Hudson High, boys. Show them how we stand. Never shall our team be champions.
Armstrong. Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. Wave the flag for Hudson High, boys. Show them how we stand. Every shall our team be champions, known throughout the land. Wheaties, breakfast of champions, bring you the thrilling adventures of Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. Look, I like to make a bet with you right now. I'll bet you're a good enough sport to accept the friendly challenge I'm going to offer you. Are you on? Okay, here's the challenge. I want you to eat a breakfast of champions the next four mornings in a row. That'll be tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday mornings. Then I want you to ask yourself if you've ever discovered any other breakfast dish that gave you as much genuine pleasure and satisfaction as this combination of Wheaties, milk, and fruit. If you'll just try a breakfast of champions the next four mornings... It's my guess you'll have your bid in for this extra good breakfast just about every morning from now on. And I'll tell you why I'm so certain about that. Wheaties pack a flavor that's so doggone good that lots of people eat two or three bowls full instead of only one. When you combine the super special Wheaties flavor with the flavors of milk or cream and the fruit you like best, man, you've got a breakfast dish that tops them all in the taste department. There just aren't enough words in the the dictionary to describe that keen flavor. And once you've tried a breakfast of champions, I think you'll see what I mean when I say Wheaties taste like a million. So ask Mother to get you two or three packages of those appetizing whole wheat flakes right away. Then remind her that you want a breakfast of champions the next four mornings in a row. And now Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. The schooner Spindrift is on her way to the Sulu Sea to recover some precious uranium lost when Professor Loring's yacht sunk off an uncharted reef. She is now approaching the little Moro seaport of Carabango on Mindanao, where Uncle Jim hopes to find some word of the missing Professor Loring and to discover some clue to the secret of the mysterious luminous dragon's eye ring which the professor sent him. A lone Moro has just been rescued by the schooner Spindrift from the hands of pursuing natives. As the schooner sails on toward Catabongo, not far distant, she is being pursued by Moros in their small sailing beaters. Uncle Jim and Billy have just pulled the Moro on board, and Betty is standing by, watching him with a mixture of curiosity and fear. Jack is at the wheel of the Spindrift, coaxing the last knot of speed from the bellying sails, which carry them on toward the little Moro seaport. Listen. We're leaving them, Jack. The Moros and their Vitas can't keep up with us. They can't keep up with us sailing against the wind, Billy. Their Vitas haven't any keel. But if we were going with the wind, we'd have a tough time getting away. Oh, look, Jack. They're turning back. They've given up. I guess they don't dare follow us into Cotabango. Well, that's a good sign, Jack. It means that they don't belong to the Cotabango tribe. If they did, we'd probably meet a lot of hostility ashore. Let's see what our Moro has to say about that. <laughs> but I forgot he probably doesn't speak English. Still looks scared to death, and he's lost his turban. Yeah, but he hung onto his bolo. Boy, what a fight he gave that other Moro in the water. You had a close shave, my friend. I don't suppose you can speak bamboo English. Me speak English, little lot. You very brave man. Hooray, Billy, he speaks English. A little lot. Maybe we can find out why they were chasing him. Uh, what's your name? My name, Malua. Very bad man. Me glad they don't catch us. I'm glad too, Malua. They look like mean customers. They no like me. I no like them. We saw they didn't like you. What did you do to them? No matter. Me like you. And you. And you. And you. 
Malua seems to like us all, Uncle Jim. But why were they trying to catch you, Malua? No matter. I come there. You mean you're from Catabango, Malua? You're from that little village just ahead? Yes, there. They come down coast. You're right, Uncle Jim. Malua's from Catabango, and his enemies are from some village down the coast. That's all right as far as it goes, Jack. But Malua isn't telling us everything. The Moros don't engage in a manhunt unless there's a good reason. Either they're after personal revenge for something he's done, or he's a dangerous enemy to their tribe. Is that right, Malua? Hmm. These big boat, big sails, big flying fish. <laughs> All right, Malua. Don't tell us if you don't want to. Me, you friend. Me, you friend, long time. Me save you someday, like you save me. Well, maybe you can save us now, Malua, from hitting a coral reef. Do you know how to get this big boat in close to the village without striking a reef? Me know. Me know well. You all right. Now, turn this way, turn that way. You are wrong. Oh, gosh, Jack, I'm always stumbling over that thing. In other words, if Jack holds his course, Malua, I guess Jack will be all right. Well, just the same, we'll take a few soundings soon. Betty, get your sounding line ready. You're getting pretty good at heaving the lead. Oh, I'll have it ready, Jack, but look. Under Malua's arm. Why, he's bleeding. Hey, he is bleeding. That other mortal must have cut him while they were fighting in the water. Uncle Jim, if you'll take the wheel, I'll go below and get the first aid kit to dress Malua's wound. Fine, Jack. Billy, you go with him and bring me up to charge of these waters. We're getting pretty close to the village. Okay, Uncle Jim. Come on, Jack. Yeah, it always seems dark down here in the cabin, Billy. Especially after that white glare of the sun outside. Oh, here's the first aid kit. Let's see what we've got left inside it. Oh, don't forget that we put that luminous dragon's eye ring inside it, Jack. No, I won't. There's the ring, Jack. Oh, but it doesn't shine as brightly as it did before. No, it doesn't. Maybe that's because it's been locked up in a dark place for so long. Let's hold it to the light in the porthole and see if that helps. It's some ring, Billy, even in the daylight. Look at that emerald. But it's the crocodiles on the side that I like, Jack. They look hungry enough to take a nip out of you. <laughs> we'll probably have real crocodiles taking nips out of us ashore if we're not careful. Now then, Billy, let's see how she shines down in the dark part of the cabin. <gasps> that did it. Boy, look at it shine with its own light, Jack. Jumping cricket that shines just like the green eyes of a dragon. That is weird, isn't it? Billy, I'm more certain than ever that this ring must have been made out of some radioactive stuff where Professor Loring found his uranium deposits. Who's that? Oh, it's you, Malua. Come over here and we'll dress that cut for you. Well, come on, Malua. Why are you gaping at me? Jack, he's not gaping at you. He's gaping at the ring. He's looking at it as though he'd seen a ghost. Say, he is looking at that ring as though he couldn't believe his eyes. Ever see a ring like this before, Malua? See how it shines in the dark? Me not see ring like that. Me see that ring before, once. Watch him, Jack. He's going to snatch it from you. Now let him grab it, Billy. We can always get it back from him. Let's see what he'll do with it. Nothing. He's got it, Jack. Oh, gosh, he snatched it from you like a cat. But he's not trying to get away with it, Billy. He's holding it, looking at it. He's trying to make sure it's genuine. Well, he's seen that ring before, Jack. That's plain enough. He's either seen it or he's heard about it. Have you ever seen this ring before, Malua? Nothing. That's the second time he said Natang, Jack. What does Natang mean, Malua? Look how he closes his lips, Jack. He looks as though he doesn't want to talk about that ring. What's the trouble, Malua? Can't you tell us about the ring? Me tell nothing. Jack, he looks as though he means it when he says he'll tell nothing. But he knows, Billy. He knows something about the ring. We'll have to try to win his confidence later. Well, we'd better get it back from him before he swallows it and jumps overboard or something. All right, Malua. If you won't tell us anything about the ring, give it back to me. 
He doesn't seem to want to give it back, Jack. Look at him, still staring at it. Jumping Jiminy, but I wish I could read his thoughts and find out what he knows about the ring. Give it to me, Malua. Why you want it? Never mind why I want it, Malua. It's our ring and that's enough. Give it back. Some place ring bad. Some place ring good. You be careful. Huh? What do you mean, Malua? I know what he means, Billy. He means that the ring will help us in some places and be a danger to us in others. Is that right, Malua? You're right. Many look for ring that shines in night. You be careful. Huh? We'll be careful, Malua. Now give it back to me. You save me, you take. Billy, I'm glad to get it back. But if we hadn't saved him, he wouldn't have been so obliging. For some reason that we don't know, this ring is awfully important. Well, we'd better get that wound of his dressed. Now, you fix him up, will you, Billy? I want to tell Uncle Jim something. Okay, Jack, we'll be on deck in a jiffy. Now, Malua, this may hurt a little. I'm going to wash your wound. Where's Malua, Jack? What were you all talking about so long below? About the luminous ring, Betty. Say, Uncle Jim, Malua saw that ring and he looked as though he'd seen a ghost. Well, that is interesting, Jack. Had he ever seen it before? I think he has. And he snatched it from me. Oh, Jack, did you get it back? You bet we did, Betty. He didn't want to give it back, though. Did he tell you anything about it, Jack? He wouldn't tell a thing, except that many people were looking for it. And that it might be very dangerous to us in some places and helpful in others. It's odd that the very first moral we run into over here should know about the ring. But then maybe Malio is not an ordinary moral. I have a hunch he was being chased by those other moras for some very important reason. And there's one thing more, Uncle Jim. When he first saw the ring shining in the darkness, he said, Natang. And when we asked him about the ring, he repeated, Natang. 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 The word doesn't mean a thing to me. It's probably somebody's name. But we'll certainly have to find out more about that word. Here come Billy and Malua from the cabin now. Do you want to ask Malua about it? No, Jack. We'll never get information that way. Not from Amoro, who doesn't want to talk. But although Amoro never forgives an enemy, he never forgets an act of friendship. We've saved his life, and later he'll tell us more. Look, Uncle Jim, how's that for a first aid job? Oh, that's a fine bandage, Billy. It'll protect his wound from infection. Oh, we're almost to cut a bangle. Well, I can see the thatched huts on shore. Oh, and look there to the right of the village. There's that large river that the chart shows. Why, it must go way into the interior of Mindanao. We may see a lot of that river, Billy, before we're through. It goes right into the heart of the Moro country. Billy, look at the fleet of Venus coming to meet us from the village. Oh, look at the one in front with its red and yellow sail. It's a huge Vita. Why, I bet it could hold 20 men. It's a war Vita, Betty. It'll carry over 20 warriors with their spears and shields. Do they actually have battles in those Venus, Uncle Jim? You bet they do, Jack. And before the United States took over the Philippines... The Moras would assemble a large fleet of these war vintas and sail hundreds of miles north to Manila. They'd terrorize all the coastal towns. Look at them come. Say, Jack, you don't suppose that they're coming to do a little terrorizing of their own? I don't think so, but we'll ask Malua. Malua, why are all these vintas coming out to meet us? They want see big boat. They want come on big flying fish. <laughs> if all those Moras came on board, there wouldn't be room for us, Malua. We're getting close in, Uncle Jim. Shall I stand by to heave the lead? Not yet, Betty. So clear here, we can see down for five fathoms. Keep an eye on the bottom. You can see it when it starts to shoal. Jack, that first beat is coming like the wind. And the others aren't so slow either. Gosh, I hope Malio is right about them. It better be, Billy. It's important to get these moros at Catabango to trust us. Stand by all sheets, Jack and Billy. I'm going to luff up and see what this first veto wants. Hey, the Moros in it look excited, don't they? We've got to help Uncle Jim, Billy. You take the foresheet, I'll take the main sheets. Betty, you stand by the jib. Okay. If we have to get away in a hurry, we'll have to look sharp. Heads up. 
Watch those sails. They start to sail these away on your sheets. Aye, aye, Uncle Jim. Say, Billy, look at that Moro in the bow of the first beater. He's waving at us. He's shouting something. Oh, what's he say, Malua? What's the trouble? He too far. Me no understand. Go forward, Malua. Quick. See what we're getting into now. Well, Jack and Billy and Uncle Jim and Betty, too, hardly get through with one set of Moros before they're running into trouble with another set. What do you suppose that Moro is waving and shouting at the schooner Spindrift for? And what about Malua? Is he going to tell them what he knows about that luminous ring? Say, he was startled when he saw it, wasn't he? So be on hand at the little village of Catabongo at the same time tomorrow for another thrilling episode of the Luminous Dragon's Eye Ring with Jack Armstrong, the All-American Boy. Say, if you're a good friend of Jack Armstrong, it's my bet that you've got something to look forward to tomorrow. What is it? A breakfast of champions, of course. Just about every friend of Jack Armstrong's I know calls for his Wheaties, milk, and fruit every morning. And it's a mighty good idea, too. There isn't another breakfast dish I've ever heard about that gives you so much downright delicious flavor as this combination of whole wheat, milk, and fruit. It's the kind of extra special flavor that makes breakfast a high spot in the day, every day. Get Wheaties and eat a big breakfast of champions tomorrow. It's my bet you'll agree that Wheaties can't be beat. Have you tried Wheaties? They're whole wheat with all of the bran. Won't you try Wheaties? This is Franklin McCormick saying goodbye until tomorrow for General Mills, makers of Wheaties, Breakfast of Champions, who have just presented another episode of Jack Armstrong, the All-American Boy. Breakfast food in the land. Wave the flag for Hudson High, boys. Show them how we stand. Ever shall team be champions. And that's this week's Mutual Presents feature. The Mutual Audio Network brings the best of old-time radio and modern audio theater to the world. Be sure to subscribe through the Mutual Audio Network podcast feed, any of our podcast days, or the Mutual YouTube channel, which includes MadCon and many other extra features and shows. See you all next time at Mutual Presents. Good night. Thank you for listening to Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network. We invite you to continue the amazing audio tomorrow on Mutual with the Monday Matinee. Our weekly series of dramatic, theatrical, classic, eclectic, and live radio dramas. You can subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed every day for the world's largest curated collection of audio drama. Or find the Monday Matinee feed in your favorite podcast players. See you tomorrow at the matinee, and thanks so much for listening. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.